hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm joined by John Bruce. We're related. We're pastors. We're doing a podcast. We're at Creekside. Dad, how are you on this brisk, rainy, stormy? Yeah. So those are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, warmth. I don't know if we're going to get it. <laughs> I know. I know. So, so Dad, I, I need a hot take from you today. Is the drought over? Will you say on record on this podcast, the drought is over? The drought is over. Okay. That is over. In fact, we're ready for another flood here, I think. Just uh, everything is super saturated. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> The drought is over. All right. Good to hear. Well, today we're going to continue our series entitled Dirty Deeds, and it's based on what Paul says in Romans 8. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul says that we enter the Christian life with these deeply ingrained habits. These habits reside in our bodies. And by the power of the Spirit, we must identify these habits and crucify these habits. Mm. And this is critical because we must kill them or they will kill us. As the Puritan John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. So we must put these to death. And the reality is, until we mortify bad habits, we really can't develop good habits. Aquinas said, only habit overcomes habit, so we have to root out bad habits in order to make room for good habits. So we've talked about a number of these dirty deeds. Dad, today we are talking about the tongue. Dirty deeds of the tongue. And Paul describes these sins in a whole variety of ways. Slander, coarse jesting, clamor, quarreling, corrupting talk, blasphemy. There are so many ways to sin with your tongue, so we're just going to talk about all of them today. (laughs) Dad, this is by far the most perilous podcast for us to do in this series because we're about to talk about sins of the tongue on a podcast. <laughs> on a podcast, Dad. The venue, maybe, in our culture to commit the sins exactly. and of they, and they the tongue. Are, and they have been. And they have been. Yes. And I'm sure I have committed sins of the tongue. So it's perilous, Dad, because this is one of those rare opportunities where I can commit the exact sins that I'm warning against while warning against them <laughs> and completely undermine my own credibility. So... With that being said, Dad, here's where I thought we would start. Uh, Clearly, the tongue is dangerous. The Bible talks a lot about the dangers of the tongue, but it goes beyond that. Uh, The Bible says the tongue is uniquely dangerous. James says no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. And so my first question, Dad, is why is the tongue uniquely untamable? The verse that helps me is is what Jesus says in Matthew 12. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth what is good. The evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. And so I think that, that what Jesus is saying here, the tongue is such a problem because it directly is connected to our heart. 
And in other areas, we can hide what our real heart is. But you can't hide your heart from your tongue. And eventually, if you listen to anybody, they will reveal who they really are just by the way they talk. So I think that you got to change your heart before you can change your tongue. That's, that's kind of what Jesus is saying there. Yeah, and because we can't change our own hearts. Yeah. Ultimately, we, we need God's intervention or exactly. the tongue will not be yeah. tamed. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. People talk about words slipping out. Jesus would say words spill out. Yeah. It's the overflow of your heart. Out of exactly. the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So when I find myself saying something and I go, oh, wow, that, that's really offensive. or that's, yeah. that's a really foul thought. It's not coming out of nowhere or a vacuum. In some recess of your heart, that was your meditation. Yeah. That's what you were brooding on. Yeah. And now it's just coming out. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I was in preparation for this. um, I was just talking about how my, I was thinking about how my tongue gets me into problems. Mm -hmm. And the the three ways I thought of most recently is, is one, giving premature advice that I, I, I love to give advice. And so what's the problem with my heart? Well, my heart is proud. And I think that I have the, the right take on everything, and people really need my take. Um, second is just revealing confidences, um, saying things that people have shared with me that I shouldn't be sharing with other people. Um, and, and then just offending people without meaning to, uh, just because I am thinking those offensive thoughts about that person or about some other person. And so you can't, I just have a hard time censoring my own tongue because it does, it is connected to my heart. It is the overflow of my heart. So yeah, you got to change your heart. Yeah. Yeah, I do all those. Guilty on all counts. Yeah. And, and it's so insidious because you can it sneaks up on you in conversation. Yeah. You know, I think so much of the the vernacular of our culture or the language, the idiom in which we speak is sarcasm, right? Yeah. And, and, and humor. And I have seen myself in so many situations just be sarcastic. And, and before you know it, you've kind of devolved into what Paul would call coarse jesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and it started as good-natured humor, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're there. Yeah. And, and you yeah. just see the sort of gravitational pull of the flesh in conversations yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so it's incredibly hard to, to tame. Um, James also says that it's, a, it's a, a little spark that sets the world on fire, basically. How great a blaze is set by a, a spark. And oh, he's yeah. talking about a tongue. So I think it's, it's untamable apart from God's intervention. And it also is this very little part of us that has these amazingly outsized effects yeah. in the world. Yeah. So what are the dangers there um, of the tongue? Both the ones uh, that are obvious and maybe the ones that uh, are not so obvious. Well, I, you know, Proverbs gives us a lot of dangers of the tongue. I, I think one is uh, that the wise person knows when to keep quiet. The fool doesn't. Um, just think of James 1, 19 through 20. Uh, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And, and uh, Proverbs eleven twelve says, He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. 
In other words, just because you know something about somebody that's not all that complimentary, you don't have to say it. Um, he Proverbs eleven thirteen next verse says, "He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter." And there's this theme throughout that that the wise person, the righteous person, doesn't feel like he has to say something just because he knows it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've done that. Yeah. So that's one thing. It's just uh, learning how to restrain your tongue, learning when it's appropriate to be silent. Yeah. I think is one thing. That's a, a good pro tip. What are the dangers, though? I mean, you said you wanted to talk about the dangers. Oh, the da- Well, that's, I think, it, it's obvious. I mean, Proverbs 11.9 says, With his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor. Um, the mouth of the wicked, the, the city is torn down. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. I mean, it's very, you know, it's very violent, destructive of just what words can do. Yeah, the words of the rash are like sword thrusts. Yeah, you have all. Yeah, and it, life and death are in the power of the tongue. You have all these proverbs like that, and I think it's important to realize, like, yeah, the, the proverbs never says anything like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah. Uh, because words reveal what people really think about oh, you. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and so, um, you know, the, the most painful memories people have are often connected to words. Absolutely. And, and harsh speech. And, yeah. And, and just a, a little harsh speech, uh, particularly at the wrong time, yeah. uh, can just set the course of someone's life in terms of how they view themselves, how they, yeah. how they perceive themselves. So, you know, the, talking about really potent stuff here. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just think about a, a church. Mm-hmm. or a family, or any community, the conversations in that community is really what determines whether you would say this is a unified, happy, healthy place, or this is a destructive, divisive, unhealthy place. It's all by the conversations that are ha- ha- had there. Right. Yeah, and so I think we we could identify the obvious examples, right? Harsh speech, um, you know, lying, deceitfulness, gossip, slander. You know, one of the, the but, but when you get to the, the more subtle ways this works, I think flattery is one that I see a lot yeah. in Proverbs. You know, yeah. whoever flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Right. One I see is that I like being liked so much mm-hmm. that I will be nice to people because it's socially advantageous. Mm. And, yeah, and, yeah. and I like wooing people. I like charming. Yeah. I like yeah. making a good impression. Yeah. And it's easy to do that by showing interest, making the person feel special, important. But you can create this sort of fabricated person that you're talking about, right? As you're talking about the other person, where you're you're making them feel good about themselves. Yeah. But you aren't communicating from your heart about what you genuinely appreciate. It, you know what I mean? And, and, and then that creates a false relationship there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, it, and it, it impairs your ability then to ever speak hard words to a person. Yeah. Um, or, or, or to wound a person with your words, which a good friend will do occasionally. Yeah. Proverbs 27 yeah. says. Yeah. So I think that's what I see in myself. Yeah. Where there's a, I'm fighting through the veneer of niceness and, and flattery to give genuine compliments to people yeah yeah um to express genuine concern uh because it's so easy to use language and words 
to kind of manipulate social conversations to your own advantage. That's, yeah. that's one I see that's much more insidious. Yeah, no, that's good. What, what would you say the difference between flattery and encouragement is? Yeah, I think flattery is for the speaker. Yeah. And no, genuine encouragement is for the hearer. Yes, yes. You are encouraging them because you've seen God's work in their life. Right. And you want to point out what God has done and yeah. praise God for that and say, hey, you're on the right track. Yeah. This is something I, I see in you. Flattery is what advantage will this give me with the person? Yeah, how, what will make them think better of me? And think better of me. Yeah. And if I'm a complimentary person to them, then, well, then they're going to be a complimentary person to me. They're going to see me as the kind of person they want to be around. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's kind of a, a distorted how to win friends and influence people kind of. Exactly. Vibe. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's good sales tactics, right? Where, yeah. where, where the more you, you butter someone up with your words, the more likely they are going to be to do what you want them to do. And, uh, and, and so there's something very insidious yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so don't give false praise. Exactly. And it gets back to the heart here. Yeah. You, you've got to guard your heart and say, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. What's, what's my motive here? Am I really serving this person to the glory of God? Or am I really self-seeking here and just want something from this person and I'm just manipulating them? Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. I think a, a, another thing that I've seen is is that Proverbs says the wise person thinks before they speak. The the fool not so much. Um, Proverbs twelve eighteen is one you mentioned. There's one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword. You know the first thing that comes. There's no on deck circle. The, the first thing they think of is really is what they say. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, Proverbs fifteen twenty eight: the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. I, I like that. Just that, that just because you can't give an answer off the top of your head is not a weakness. It's actually a strength mm-hmm. that you have to think about what you're going to say and its ramifications. Um, so I, I'm appreciating more and more as I get older, the person who answers with a question rather than states their position right away. Yeah. yeah, and I think that leads us into just sort of ways to tame the tongue. Yeah. Um, the good news is that God gives us his spirit, yeah. and a fruit of the spirit is self-control. Yeah. And so we have power in Christ to live out the vision of Proverbs. So obviously slowness to speak is one of them, yeah. right? Some people speak and then think about what they said. Yeah. Some people, uh, you know, think about what they say and then then speak, but what are other ways to just develop better habits of speech? Um right, to develop restraint because I think that's probably the overarching biblical yeah. command here yeah. is restrain yourself when it comes to the Exactly. Song. That's great. Yeah. I think one thing is is to realize that how you say something is just as important as what you say. Because right. you can just blurt out something that is truth, but you will only inspire hurt or rebellion in the person you hear. Um, Proverbs 15.1 and 15.2, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. 
So there's just a sense that that because how I say this will determine whether it's going to be accepted or rejected, I need to take time to think about what's the best way. How would I respond if I was told this? Yeah. That's really good. Rather than, oh, I've got some truth to give you, and uh, and I just blurt it out. And it's one of the the great limiters of online and digital oh, communication. Yeah, yeah. Because so much of communication is nonverbal. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's your facial expressions. It's yeah. your tone. It's your pacing. It's yeah. all of these things. Yeah. And yeah. and I've had people say amazingly hard things to me. And I've received them yeah. because of how they said it and because of our relationship. Yeah. And then there are people who say things, no matter how compellingly they speak, just the way they're doing it is is so clearly about them. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, they can say true things and yet be a fool. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of the way they're talking. Yeah. No, if you're self-serving, it's going to come out. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if your motives are wrong, they're... It's going to become obvious to people the, and, and invalidates what you say. The classic example in our relationship, the, the, word, the time where you're a, you know, one proverb says a soft word can break a bone. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. But uh, remember when I flipped you off? Yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't a sin of the tongue, though. Yeah. No, I, uh, I was so mad. We were playing sports with, and I did it in front of my friends. I mean, it was bad. It was I think I was 15 or 16, and I remember driving home. I was expecting the riot act, and you didn't give it. You know, it was a it was a pretty silent ride home. And I thought, what is he gonna do when we get home? You know, I'm like 16. Like he's gonna spank me? That'd be weird. You know, I'm a little too old for like. How do you punish a kid? Because I knew it was wrong. I knew I had stepped way over a line. And you took a few minutes after we got home, and then came in and and said something like, you know, Jeff. I didn't think you were able to disrespect me in that kind of way. And it makes me sad to know that, that you could do something like that. And that was it. That was it. And, and I was devastated. And, and I, I remember that moment so well because it was, it was clear that it, it just compounded the weight of what I had mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And I felt such conviction had you, you know, flipped me off or, yeah. you know, come at me so strong in that situation, I all of my self-justifying defense mechanisms yeah. would have come up. But yeah. because you approached me in that way, you said something that was very hard to hear. And yet I it was totally true, mm. you know, so way to go. Oh. I pray I have that <laughs> moment with my kids someday. I don't pray that they flip me off, <laughs> but I, I do pray that I'd be able to respond. Um, with that sort of restraint. Yeah. 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 No, thank you. And I wasn't saying that to flatter you, by okay. the way. I'm not <laughs> spreading a net for your feet right now. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. What other ideas, other thoughts on just uh, taming the tongue, having restraint? Maybe this is saying the same thing. I think Proverbs, again, talks a lot about the importance of telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, I'm not always sure what the truth is. Yeah. And, and so until I really know what God wants me to say, and is this the whole truth, or am I only got a piece of the truth, it's better to keep quiet rather than to 
wade in full of fleshly confidence and find out I didn't have the whole story or I don't really understand what this person meant or and just completely ruin my credibility. Yeah. So I think that's another thing is realizing we are responsible to tell the truth. Yeah. But the truth is hard to know sometimes and sometimes it's better to do more investigation before you start talking. Yeah, especially when you're dealing in interpersonal conflicts. Yeah. And you start speaking. Um, is it Proverbs 26 that says, he who enters in a quarrel not his own or meddles it is like one who takes a stray dog by the ears. Yeah. Um, the, the, in almost every situation I've been in, um, the two parties are able to give compelling arguments as yeah. to while they are right. Yeah. Um, conflicts are complicated. Yeah. And, and until you can enter in by mutual agreement of the other parties, uh, you will do more harm than good yeah. trying to insert yourself into a situation yeah. like that. It, it has to be that both sides realize we're at an impasse. We need someone to come in and talk yeah. about it. But I find whenever I, I am, whenever I am listening to someone vent about another person uh, in whatever context, I have to immediately check myself yeah. before I give advice yeah. Yeah. And, and say, you know you don't have the full picture here. Yeah. You know you don't. Yeah. And so you can't actually speak to all of the dynamics going on. Right, right. And that's, that's important just in our polarized society, that, that left and right, everybody has a compelling argument for what they say. Yeah. And if you just kind of mindlessly follow one side or the other, um, you're, you're going to be wrong <laughs> what you say, because the truth, it's not that the truth is in the middle, but it's more the truth is more complicated than we want to give it credit for and takes more thought and evaluation. Yeah, and, and one of the, the things that you have to wrestle with in that is that um, complexity can breed anxiety. Hmm. Yeah. If something yeah. is complicated, yeah. it makes us more anxious because we don't feel a sense of control. Right, right. The, so, you know, I know what to do. We've got to do this. And yeah. this is what, you know, that, then I have some semblance of control over reality. Yeah. Even if I can't do anything about it, at least I know I'm on the right side and yeah. I'm doing the right thing. And I'm, and, but the minute you bring in nuance and complexity, it introduces the reality that, that I might not know the solution to this problem yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a much more uncomfortable place to be because we lose our sense of control on reality and our yeah. ability to interpret reality and make determinations. It forces us then to go to God yes. and say, okay, you see the whole picture. Yeah. You have the clarity. I'm going to trust you. But, but God doesn't guarantee that he's going to give us his omniscience, insight into every societally complex situation. And yeah. we live in a culture where we are constantly being asked or invited to give our opinions yeah. on those things. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we were starved for certainty in the middle of that because yeah. that's the way you seem to cure your own anxiety about right. the thing itself. Right. Uh, that's, that's just a dynamic I've seen no, that's play a great, out. That's a great insight. And that's, that's a, a danger, I think, even in the church, that, that especially for leaders in the church, that we want to move in a certain direction, and so we abs absolutize that direction. Right. This is the will of God. Here's the vision. Yeah, here's the vision. Here's what we need to do without looking at every side. And then also just trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own insight that, that uh, I am not in control. God is, and we've got to step-by-step look to him to direct our steps mm -hmm. rather than to our vision. Yeah. Yep.
but dead without vision. People can the see. people <laughs> perish. They <laughs> perish, Dad. That's what Proverbs says. Yeah. Which means if the lead pastor doesn't have a, a compelling vision for the church, Dad, there's going to be a pile of bodies. Okay? <laughs> That's what that passage is saying. It has nothing to do with obeying the law, which he says right after that. Nothing exactly. about just obeying the God's revealed vision. Exactly. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyway. Exactly. I, I digress. Okay. <laughs> but it was a good digression. It was a <laughs> so, sorry. I told you, like, yeah, sins of the tongue. They're gonna, they're gonna, yeah, yeah. That wasn't a sin. Oh, that was, good. That was a that good was, digression. That was just funny. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Um other thoughts on restraint. Well, the only other thing I think of is that I don't usually get into trouble with my tongue if I'm thinking about other people, if I'm thinking about their welfare. Hmm. That's good. What's going to help them? What's going to edify them? What's going to build them up? What's going to help their walk with Christ? Um, I get into trouble with my tongue when I'm thinking about me. And so I think taking the time to really ask God to give me his love for people and his perspective for people is, is one thing that's really helped me to curb uh, my wicked tongue. Yeah, and I think one of the best ways to be other-focused is to listen. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. to grow in the skill of, of listening. Yeah. Because it yeah. has taken me a long time to realize one of the reasons I don't communicate as effectively to people is I'm just a bad listener. Hmm. I listen to respond rather than listening to understand. Yeah. And, yeah. and understanding takes time. Oh. It's, it's hard work. Very hard. And yeah. uh, you think... What are good counselors? They're basically just really good listeners yeah. who then have things worth saying because they have cultivated the skill of listening very yeah. well yeah. and being able to attend, acknowledge, summarize, and then invite more information with good questions. Yeah. That's really hard to do. It is. Um, and, and so to realize I'm not a good listener, okay, this is a skill I need to develop, so let's start practicing in conversations. Yeah. Um, rather than assume, well, I know what people think. They just need to hear what I think. It's like, well, they think the exact same thing. So yeah. you're never going to get to more deep communication until one of you becomes a better listener. Exactly. And and along that line, that's probably why James says, be quick to hear, mm -hmm. slow to speak. He doesn't just say, be slow to speak, slow mm -hmm. to anger. But be quick to hear, mm -hmm. to put your attention where it needs to be, which is getting more information Yeah. rather than expressing your opinion. Yeah. It's good. So, other thoughts? That's about all. That's all I've got. I've got like 22 more. So, okay. I'm going to try to quickly summarize okay. these because I think many of the sins of the tongue, uh, ironically, are never uh, expressed with the tongue in our culture. They're expressed through other mediums, through digital ah. communication. Okay. And so, just a few thoughts here on, on that. Uh, one, do not have critical conversations via text or email. Hmm. If you have something hard to say to someone, Say it in person or at least over the phone. Do not communicate it. Yeah. Now, there might be situations where it's dangerous. You know, you need to use communication in extreme examples, yeah. right? You, you might need to do that if you have a legal record you need to establish, something like that. But if at all possible, especially in the body of Christ, do yeah. not text or email to have critical conversations yeah. with people because so much gets lost and yeah. stripped away yeah. uh, in terms of your gentleness, your concern for the person, being able to see that person's reactions. Yeah. So just don't do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's I'm, good. I'm speaking from experience of having made that mistake. Yeah. So don't, yeah. don't do that. Uh, don't create an online persona is another thing I would say. Hmm. Uh, you should be online who you are hmm. in person. So, so you anything you post online, you should be able to say that to your community group 
and then be able to have a robust discussion about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen this time and again where people who are very reserved, very shy in public try to be lions on the internet yeah. and yeah. will get into all of these quarrels and contentions that they would never get into in their in-person yeah. relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is a very toxic dynamic for a yeah. person yeah. to be someone online that they are not in, in person. Yeah. And um, it, uh, you know, you create a record is, is the thing yeah. you, you uh, those, those things linger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the, the, the persona you create online yeah. and it'll make people harder for people to get close to you in person. Yeah. If, if they're, uh, if they're yeah. different people, you know, I've seen, I've, I've heard a number of people make that comment about pastors who are online a lot, who are contentious, just, they're a wonderful, gentle person online. I mean, in person, you know, online, they just seem so pugnacious yeah. and yeah. Uh, don't be that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't be that woman. Um, yeah. Uh, I, another one I would say is just your closest relationships shouldn't be online. Oh Yeah. Don't cultivate a tribe online, yeah. Uh, because that that dynamic will steer you into kinds of thinking. Um, it's almost set up to tribalize you in your thinking, yeah, in ways that are really dangerous. Where you start expressing things there that you wouldn't express other places. You feel a kinship because you agree on something, but it's an echo chamber and it's creating blind spots in your life. Yeah. It's much harder to have that tribalization happen when you're in a church, yeah. where you have a diversity of people all gathered around Jesus who that you have to process these things in relationships with other people. That, that will keep you from that kind of balkanized view of reality yeah. and yeah. kind of us-them thinking and the, just the things that are really, really um, pernicious in our culture yeah. right yeah. now. And uh, the Internet doesn't create that but it does facilitate that yeah. and, and rapidly yeah, yeah. So, so anyway yeah don't just just don't, yeah you can have friends that don't live close to you but have your closest relationships there should be people who you can have physical flesh and blood interaction with um i think the other thing i would say is that it, it's like you said it's okay not to have a take on everything right i mean i yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times like things happen in the world just awful things all the time um, you know, yeah. just this week. And it's like, I feel such strong emotions, but with, because of our online ecosystem with the strong emotions come this strong compulsion that I need to say something right now. And, and, yeah. and that's yeah. a really bad combination. The Bible would say yeah. where I don't even know how I, what I think about this yet. Yeah. I'm just still feeling things. Uh, and yet we have all of these people just pouring out opinions and judgments on everything that happens all the time. Yeah. And it's almost like if you don't immediately have an opinion or a, a take, then you're not concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And Proverbs would say, uh, wisdom takes time. Yeah. It takes time to think through things. Yeah. Uh, talk to God about it. Yeah. <laughs> have a journal. Talk to God there about those things without feeling this compulsion that I immediately need to give vent to my spirit online yeah. and talk about these things. Yeah. Cause yeah. my initial thoughts about something are almost never worth sharing. Yeah. If, if it's a, if it's something I feel very strongly about and yeah. have strong emotions about and something that I'm personally removed from, I, I don't have any proximity to this thing. I'm just yeah. hearing about it through the news or yeah. something like that. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. yeah. And, and all we know about it is, has been filtered already by pe the people who are reporting it. Right. Are, are reporting certain things and not reporting yeah, certain things. Yeah, who have things. their own biases and agendas exactly. and that. And so yeah. to respond to that is, yeah, that's good. Yeah. 
So th- those are just a few. I, I think it's important for I think it's easy to forget this, but people think about us by what they hear us say and what they read that we write. I yeah, mean, that's really pretty much ninety nine percent of their opinion of you will be based on what what you say and what you write and stuff like that. And so if people wonder, well, why don't people think better of me? Why, you know, why, why, why do I make people mad? So I'm, I'm a good guy, and stuff yeah. like that. Well, you may be a good guy inside, um, in your mind, <laughs> but if all people hear is just bitterness or criticism, criticism or pride or or whatever, that's what people are going to think about you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And here's my my caution. Here's a little thought experiment I invite people to do, or just an experiment. Go look at the social media of someone you know pretty well. Now, does your opinion of them um, get higher or lower based on their online persona? Yeah. Do, do you think more highly of who they are in person or online? Yeah. I would say, by and large, my estimation of someone goes down yeah. when I see them online relative to how I know them in person. Yeah, yeah. Which, which the, the, the caution I would give there then is, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. When you are alone behind your screen saying things, you cannot see how people are reacting to you. Yeah. And it's this direct link to your heart, right? That's just right there out into the world yeah. in a way we've never had before. Yeah, yeah. And so it it requires an even greater degree of of uh, circumspection, yeah, and restraint to say something worth saying, yeah, because you're also putting it on the public record, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'm a luddite. I'm an extremist in this. I don't really use social media. This is my public voice. <laughs> I, pr- I preach all the time, and I have a podcast. And this is, you know, outside of you having a flesh and blood relationship with me, that's basically the ways you can get to know me online. Are those things? Yeah. Right. I'm extreme. Yeah. Maybe I'm too extreme in terms of not engaging on social media. But I've just seen it do so much more harm than good for so many leaders that I just, yeah. I'm, I, I, I think the, the cons, at least for me, outweigh the pros in a lot of ways. So, No, I agree with you. I'm, I'm involved less than you are. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any anonymous Twitter accounts where you're just flaming people and taking no. hot takes anywhere, Dad? <laughs> no. That's good. I'm glad to know that I'm never, that's never going to, I'm never going to find your anonymous Twitter accounts no, and have to no, deal with that. No, there's no anonymous Twitter account. Okay. That's, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Good. Well, um, friends, family, listening, um, whoever is listening out there, hope this was helpful. And uh, hopefully we didn't commit any of the sins we were warning against in this podcast. And uh, have a good one. We'll be back again to talk more soon. <laughs>